0: Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, and then in just a few moments, we will be over for our text in Isaiah chapter 9. In just a moment, we will begin in Isaiah chapter 7. Baby names, of course, are the, uh, the topic of lots of discussion, and especially if you are with child. So you start to think and plan and discuss and And maybe if you have had children or all of your children have been born and obviously then named, you remember the process that you went through with your spouse to finally come up with the name that would belong to your child, I suppose, for the rest of their life. And it is one of those processes that you go through and and you bring up a name and you float an idea to your spouse and then they either say, well, put that on the list or never in a thousand years, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just the topic of a lot of discussion. I just did a, a recent web search on baby names and there are some trending names today. In fact, um, some of these were listed, I'm, I'm not kidding, under hot baby names, okay? Not sure that I would use that until I read of these two, and that is Lava and Blaze. <laughs> I thought those qualify for hot baby names, okay? I'm not sure that I would name my child Lava. Um, I would think he would then think he's supposed to erupt on a lot of topics or occasions or Blaze, Um, I've met a few people that that could be their name, but I don't know that I would give that to a child. Another one, this one is like a throwback that is working its way back into circulation. But whenever you hear a name, does something always come to mind? Like maybe you're talking about names for your child and you say something and then your husband says, like this name, you know, Ivy, Ivy, in my mind, what word comes to your mind when you say Ivy? Oh, no, poison. Okay, poison. So again, now if your name's Ivy, I love you. Okay. Um, uh, This one, wow. This one, again, this might be your name, but Tarrant. Tarrant. It just reminds me of a little tyrant, and so I'm not sure that I would want that one. And then this name, I, I don't know that I've ever met someone with this name before, but the name, again, this is on the trending baby names and that is Halo, Halo, as in, and uh, you know, Dr. Zach. I just heard him say, oh, like it. And um, I would think fallen um, when I think of Halo. And that was, by the way, the next name on the list, although it was Fallon, Fallon, but I would often say, I'd look at the child and say, no, 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 that's a fallen child. <laughs> Names matter to us. And so we do spend a lot of time talking them over, researching them. The the baby that we're about to consider today is, of course, not a mystery to us. We know of whom we will be speaking. And this baby was born into desperate, troublesome times. We might call them dark days. But God was about to pierce through the darkness with the light of the world and the names that this child would have attached to itself are names that are purposeful and meaningful. If you even study the the dynasties and the kings that would have been born in Bible times, we would also understand that they oftentimes took on a name when they ascended to the throne. They're trying to define their reign by their name. And so God actually preempts the ascending to the throne by ascribing the names before the child arrives. And we're about to see unfold before us what is the the title of our message today. And that is, his name shall be called. His name shall be called. The prophecy that is before us, and I trust your Bibles are open right now to Isaiah chapter seven. The prophecy regarding this child who is coming and the attachment to the wonder of his birth and, and to his name was given by Isaiah the prophet before a godless King Ahaz. In fact, if you wanted to talk about a nation that was literally standing on the very brink of collapse, that is the nation of Judah. It's it's espoused by some, and certainly history bears this out, that Ahaz himself would have been nothing short in the very near future from this prophecy, but a vassal king, not a king even in his own right. Judah was close to its final demise. Ahaz is asked to offer a sign and he offers none. And therefore God himself provides that which will be the sign. Isaiah chapter seven, beginning in verse number 14, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, clearly, the days into which this prophecy is offered were hard times, but God Himself was coming to dwell among men. And in chapter seven, we're going to learn, of course, about His birth. And then if we were to fast forward today, we'll not, but if we went to chapter 11, we would learn more about his kingdom. But in chapter nine, we're we're about to find our text. We find through his names, something about his nature and his character. Your Bibles, if you would, should be turned now to Isaiah chapter nine. And let's just for context for the chapter, Look again at the days into which this child will be born. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter nine, beginning in verse number one, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. When at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. Verse 2 The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And such were the days into which Isaiah inserts some of the most beautiful prophecies regarding the arrival of Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. These were clearly dark days, some might call them gloomy days, but hope was on its way. One of the most powerful aspects of the Bible, by the way, just as an aside, is the Bible never tries to gloss over the reality of the human condition. It's never just this pie in the sky, everything's gonna be fine, Jesus is just going to make everything in your day rosy. The Bible communicates the reality of the human condition with a plainness that's almost startling. And he says, these are difficult days into which the light will shine. And now we come to our text beginning in verse number six. We're about to again see this this beautiful mix of both the humanity of Jesus. The Bible's about to say, for unto us a child is born. And then we see the deity of Almighty God. His name shall be called. Look at it with me. Verse number six, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this." What a government this passage of scripture speaks of. Humanity has always sought out what we call a righteous government, but the depravity of humanity has never been able to provide for it. Man's government will differ from that of the Messiah's just as light stands out very different from darkness. And of course, in Isaiah chapter seven, verse number 14, the Bible says, Emmanuel shall be his name. His name, ye shall call him Emmanuel. This is what we might refer to as his proper name, God with us. Today in our text, we're going to consider five of what we'll call his descriptive names. These begin to tell us what kind of a person is this God who has come to dwell with us. Let's look first, his name shall be called wonderful. His name shall be called wonderful. We'll call this the name of amazement, the name of amazement. Have you ever experienced something so wonderful that words defied description? There is, there's an old song that some sing and, and they, they sing about his name is wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God. And then it goes on and it helps us understand that words fail to encapture the wonder of who he is. So sometimes we're having a conversation and, and, and we're trying to explain something and we just say words cannot fully capture what I am trying to communicate. And, and then we, we sometimes just use the same word over and over. Well, what was it like? It was amazing. I mean, it was, I don't know, it was just amazing. And sometimes when we can't even get the word amazing out, we, we, we just abbreviate to something like it was wow. I mean, it was just wow. His name shall be called, this name of amazement. God who is dwelling with us, this is truly wonderful. There's never been anything like this that has taken place before. In Exodus chapter 15, verse number 11, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Moses is asking a rhetorical question. There's no answer for this question. Who is like unto you? Hey, hey, give me some comparison. Okay, who's your God like? Well, let me tell you, my God is like, uh, words, words fail to fully describe the wonder of my God. When words fail us, we just resort to this statement of, Amazing. You've probably heard the expression, often imitated, never duplicated. Of course, there are those that that have attempted to imitate our God. Others have even attempted to imitate his word. Neither can ever be accomplished. The psalmist said it this way, among the gods There is none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. I would submit to you that there is no celebration on the face of the earth that rivals what we simply refer to as Christmas. Because there is no birth like the birth of Jesus the Christ whose name shall be called Christ. Wonderful. The New Testament might read the amazement of his wonder this way. When Paul's giving his defense of his testimony for Christ, he says in Acts, the Bible says, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know that God did in the midst of you, this was actually broadcast at Pentecost. When people now are hearing about the wonder of Jesus Christ, this testimony is proclaimed. He did these in the midst of you. It shouldn't ever surprise us that a wonderful God does wonders among us These are the things he still does. This name alone would suffice. But Isaiah, the prophet goes on. His name shall not only be called wonderful, his name shall be called counselor. Counselor. This is the name of advice. The name of advice. Okay, how many of you have ever gotten really bad advice before? Okay. Just like, oh, that was really bad advice. Okay, so here's some, here's some a potential bad advice. How many of you are dating someone right now? Just raise your hand if you're dating someone, okay? How many of you want to be dating someone? Okay, that's an honest acknowledgement. So some of you are dating, there could be a Christmas miracle, okay? So some of you um, are dating, some of you want to be dating. Okay, now if you do this, I'm just giving you some, some good advice. If you are a guy and you're dating and and, uh, you ask your girlfriend, what do you want for Christmas? And she says, nothing. Okay, now let me give you some good advice, okay? Okay, what do you want for Christmas? Nothing, just to be with you. is, Is Christmas enough for me? Okay, so if she says that, and then you go ask your friend, who by the way, is probably not dating, okay? What should I do? I, I asked my girlfriend what I should get her for Christmas. And, um, and uh, she said nothing. And you asked your friend, what should I do? And he says, well, listen, don't get her anything. Because if you get her something, she's gonna think that you don't really listen to her. Okay. And so what it's gonna say, if you don't get her anything, it says that you're a listener. You think upon her words and, and you were listening. Listen, there's a reason that guy's not dating anyone. Okay, <laughs> so so that's bad advice. Do you know, through the course of our lives, there there are times when we find the advice that we're looking for. If you talk to enough people, you'll always hear what you want to hear. This is not the counsel of the one of whom Isaiah speaks. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The name of advice. Isaiah himself knew from whom he should be seeking counsel. Notice what he says even later in the book, Isaiah 25 verse one, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. That's the same word that we hear. His name shall be called wonderful. He does that which is consistent with himself. Thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels, same word, wonderful counselor, same Hebrew word. Thy counsels of old. Thy counsels of old. Lord, these are the things that you have counseled from the very beginning of our time. You are not changing what you you say, you're not changing what you advise, you're consistent with yourself. That which was true yesterday is true today, will be true tomorrow. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. What are the counsels, the advice of this promised Messiah? His counsel, his advice is faithfulness and truth that which was old, meaning that which has always been. We often say that God's moral law is that which is true for all people, all places and all times. This is the counsel of the one who is our wonderful counselor. In the very beginning of the book of Psalms, we're about to find some sage advice. Now think through this for just a minute. We, we hear the old adage, the, the statement that sometimes people make a man can be known by the books he reads and the friends he keeps. There is some wisdom even to that old advice. A man can be known. By the books he reads and the friends he keeps, you say, well, well, why is that so important? Because these are speaking something into this person's life. And so when we get to even the very opening of the pages of the book of Psalms, we start to find, wow, that advice seems to ring true. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsels of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, not from ungodly people, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We should ask ourselves from whom or from what are we being counseled today? What is it that constantly arrests our attention? What is it that, that just little by little, moment by moment, image by image, what is it that, it's, that is speaking its own truth into our lives? We get counsel today like you do you as if that is the chief end of man. We get counsel today like nobody can tell you who you are. We hear some some foolishness like, I'm not trying to be unkind by this, but we say things like, let the children lead us. But children are supposed to be trained and brought up in the nurture and admonition. And then the, the age old that that still seems to be continually in front of us. And that is just follow your heart. When the Bible speaks about David as a man after God's own heart, we find that there is a heart worth following, but it is not our own. From where are you receiving your counsel? And his name shall be called Wonderful counselor. In Proverbs, we read much about finding good advice. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. The thing about good advice is is it's only as valuable as our willingness to receive it. This includes advice from God, from his word, and good advice from godly people. Our wonderful counselor is still offering advice. It remains timelessly faithful, always true. The question is, are we receiving it? And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor The mighty God, this is the name of authority. His name, wonderful, it defies description. Counselor, the God of advice, the mighty God, this is the name of his authority. Yes, the baby born in the manger is nothing less than the mighty God. Now, now we've just seen that he is the counselor. He has a plan. And now we'll see that he's mighty. That means he has the power to carry out his plan. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 10, beginning in verse number six, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Oh, you have the name that is the mighty name. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse number 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Our God answers to no one, but I will also say that he has answers for all. He answers to no one because he's the mighty God, but he does have as our counselor an answer for all who will come to him. In Psalm 24, we again get this question, who is this king of glory? He says, let me tell you who the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. When Isaiah is making this prophecy, again, Judah is tottering on collapse. Ahaz had brought them to the brink of ruin. But notice what Isaiah is holding on to. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 21 The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, to where? Unto the mighty God. Isaiah said, God's people will return not to the gods of wood and of stone, but to the living, loving, mighty God. Church, are you trusting today in a God who is mighty by his very name and his ability to make good on all that he's promised? He has what you need even for the most difficult of challenges that lay before you. He is the mighty God. I don't know your circumstances, but I do know your God. And our God is the mighty God. It goes on and it says, and his name shall be called the everlasting father. The everlasting father. This is the name of action, the name of action. The first thing we want to understand about this name is that we're not saying this is a reference to God the Father. So so we must be talking about God the Father. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. No, we're still talking about the same person, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. This is an extremely rare way of describing God in the Hebrew Bible, by the way. They they just didn't refer to to God as the father. But here we find this description. And and it's even more rare way of describing a king. The king, oh, my my father, the king. You, You didn't describe him that way. In the hymn, praise my soul, the king of heaven We read this line, father-like he tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame he knows. In his hands, he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. This conveys to us this understanding of he's always going to interact with you and I, those who belong to him in his role of this father-like love and care for you and for me. We consider the word everlasting, while it does give us some understanding of the eternal nature of Jesus, it also helps describe one of the characteristic traits of the fatherly nature of Jesus and his ongoing care for us. For those who belong to him, He will never cease in his fatherly care. He's the father that will never leave, will never abandon, will never forsake us. Psalm 103 verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. The word pitieth here, it means to love deeply, to have mercy, to be compassionate, to have tender affection. This is the nature of our Everlasting Father. I read a story recently about a man named Dr. Fred Craddock. He was taking a break from his teaching responsibilities and he and his wife had gone to Gatlinburg. This would have been in the, the early 1950s. While they were away, they were seated in a restaurant for a meal and just looking forward to some time of rest and relaxation. Most of us can appreciate that desire just for a little anonymity, a little desire to be alone and just to rest and relax. That was his desire. So while he is seated, he is watching a older gentleman um, of of nice frame and stature uh, understood the possession of self. But seemed kind and walking from table to table, and he is greeting the people, speaking with them in the restaurant. And Craddock said to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. said, I want to just enjoy my privacy. But in fact, he did come over. And the conversation that unfolded went like this. Where are you folks from? He asked kindly. Oklahoma. Splendid state, I hear, although I've never been there. What do you do for a living? Uh, I teach homiletics at a seminary. Oh, so you teach preachers, do you? Well, I've got a story I want to tell you. And with that, he pulled up a chair and sat down at the table with Craddock and his wife. Dr. Craddock said he groaned inwardly, thinking, oh, no, here comes another preacher story. says it seems like everyone has one. The man stuck out his hand. He said, I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here across the mountains. My mother wasn't married when I was born. So I had a hard time. When I started school, my classmates had a name for me and it wasn't a very nice name. I used to go off by myself at recess and during lunchtime because the taunts of my playmates cut so deeply. What's worse, when I was going downtown on Saturday afternoon and feeling every eye burning a hole through you, they were all wondering just who my real father was. When I was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to our town, to our church. I would always go in late and slip out early. But one day, the preacher said the benediction so fast I got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. I could feel every eye in church on me. Just about the time I got to the door, I felt a big hand on my shoulder. I looked up and the preacher was looking right at me. Who are you son? Whose boy are you? I felt the old weight come on me again. It was like a big black cloud. Even the preacher was putting me down. But as he looked down at me, studying my face, he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. Wait a minute, he said. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. With that, he slapped me across the rump and said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it the old man looked across the table at Fred Craddock and said, that was the most important single sentence ever said to me. With that, he smiled, shook the hands of Craddock and his wife, and moved on to another table to greet old friends. Suddenly, Fred Craddock remembered, on two occasions, the people of Tennessee had elected an illegitimate son, to be their governor. One of them was the man who had just sat at his table, Governor Ben Hooper. Ben Hooper actually, if you look it up even today, you can find his autobiography that he titled, The Unwanted Boy. The nature of our everlasting father means that he loves us with a love that is equal to his nature. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You and I have an everlasting Father who has taken every action necessary to provide for your best good. And the last description that he uses And his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. This, my friend, is the name of appeasement. He is literally, as the word describes in Hebrew, he's the Prince of Shalom. When we think about what is being communicated here, he is the one who offers peace. And when he becomes your Prince of Peace, he has the power to remove all that can disturb your peace. Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Do you know what it says? It says, okay, you and I here on earth have been at enmity with God Almighty in heaven. But Jesus Christ becomes the bridge that can take that which was problematic between earth and heaven and say, I have resolved the conflict. I have made complete amends. Appeasement now has been offered and there is the the wonderful privilege, the ability now for me to come with boldness into the very presence of Almighty God because of Jesus Christ. His name shall be called. Now the angels could say, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. If you're listening to me today, through whatever means you are listening, you're listening through live stream, you're listening through some digital means, you're listening in this place, you are either on one of two sides of that bridge today There are no other options. You are either on the side of the bridge that remains at enmity with God. And you may celebrate the the beautiful nostalgic baby in a manger, but you have not yet come to the outstretched arms of Christ on the cross who became your substitute, dying your death, appeasing all the wrath that is justly offered from a holy God. Jesus bore it all in himself, in his body, on the tree. He did that for you. This season of the year, we speak much about the gift of God. Gifts are offered, but for a gift to have any value, it must not only be a gift offered, but also a gift received. I suspect many here will receive gifts this season. If you have never received the greatest gift ever offered, the gift of the one who came as the Prince of Peace, then, then you need to not be on this side of the wrath of God. You need to walk across the bridge of Jesus Christ who bore the wrath of God so that you and I now can be reunited with the one from whom our sin has separated. Have you ever crossed that bridge? When did that happen? Oh, well, I've always believed in God. Well, I've believed in a lot of things. I grew up believing in marriage, but I wasn't always married. There was a time when I went from just believing in marriage to actually being married. When were you saved? It happened to me when I was 17, 17 years old. And I was on this side of the the bridge of Christ. I was not at peace with God. And I knew what Jesus Christ did. He died a sinner's death and that's me. He bore the the weight of my sin and he satisfied the just demands of God entirely. And I simply told him, God, I know I'm a sinner and I know Jesus is God. He's the only one that could do what needed to be done to satisfy all your just demands. I accept Jesus as my substitute. I didn't say this then, but here's what I did. I, I accept the gift you're offering. I accept it. And and what happened then is I crossed the bridge of the divide. And now there is no more war between God and me. Now I am forever his child. That, my friend, is glory to God in the highest. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 7, we read of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. And then at the end of that verse, with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever. Do you know where I'm going to be? Without end. Forever and ever and ever. Because of that little baby whose name shall be called Emmanuel. Because he is the one who came as the one who is wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Because I now have accepted what that child came to do, I am from henceforth, even forever, reigning with the one who will rule. Where will you be? May this Christmas be the Christmas, if you've not yet received it, receive the greatest. Gift of all.